Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the Christmas show. Merry Christmas, everyone. This is the last show of 2018. If you don't celebrate Christmas, happy holidays, happy Hanukkah, happy Kwanzaa, or just happy life. I wish all of you a very merry and happy life. And um, today I get to interview somebody that I've known for a number of years through tech events, and I'm so excited that she agreed to be my Christmas guest because of all the people I know, she is one of the people who embraces the spirit of Christmas, that of love and positivity all year round. And it's such a joy to know her and to watch her have grown over the years in the world of technology. So um, Michelle McBain, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Laura. It's an honor to be here. Well, it's so exciting to actually get you on the air because we've been talking about this for almost a year now. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) And it just seemed like it was never the right time. We couldn't connect. And then, bam, all of a sudden when I said, I'd like you to be my Christmas guest, you're like, okay. (laughs) It's a Christmas miracle. (laughs) It is. It's such a Christmas miracle. Maybe we'll hear a bell ring and an angel get its wings today, right? (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) Oh, I hope so, too. Because, you know, one of the things that I've known about you over the years is how positive you always manage to stay. No, and and that's not saying that you're, you know, this just happy-go-lucky, everything's perfect, rosy world. You have your moments like we all do, but they don't last very long. At least they don't seem to last very long. You stay positive, and you always seem to see the silver lining and I know your mom, so I know where some of that comes from. <laughs> sure, yeah. But how do you truly manage to stay so positive in, in the world as it is today? And you're very active on social media, which is enough to take most people down in the positivity scale. Sure, yeah. I mean, that's a great question. And I think that it's really a choice about what we focus our energy on. You know, that there's that old adage, it's not what life gives to you, it's how you respond to it. And being a mom to a four-year-old and a two-year-old, I often use the, the words, no rain, no rainbows, because I think that with every bad thing, there's good and there's sort of an equilibrium in life. And we can choose to look at all of the negativity and the frustrations and the anger and the and the poor things that are happening in the world, or we can choose to make a difference, to be the change, to be kind, to pay it forward and do all of the positive things and focus on the good people that are really making a wonderful impact in the world. And I think that it's it's important, you know, to see both sides, but also to realize that you don't have to sit idly by and just watch um, things happen with a negative taste in your mouth, but you can also try to be the change and make a difference. And it's really important to step up and step out and, and do something about it. And so I always try to um, use that in my life personally and professionally, no matter what's thrown at me or what I see in the world around me, how can I try to make a difference? You know, the last several shows towards the end of this year have that idea of choice, that we have a choice as to how we look at the world seems to be coming up a lot. And 
I find it fascinating because one of the things that comes up so often with my listeners is they feel they don't have choices. They can't seem to see their way out of a choice. And we've been having this discussion for several months now on the show on different things that people can do to help them see a choice. Now, you've got young children. Mm -hmm. I, I would imagine that helping them see choices is not always the easiest thing in the world. No, it, it can be a challenge for sure, especially at this age, because their reasoning and their understanding of why, that's the question that every parent of a four-year-old knows, <laughs> the why of life and, you know, why do things happen and why, um, you know, why is it the way it is? And I think that for me, it's really about teaching and explaining to them you know, I had a, a challenging life and upbringing, I guess you can say, and it wasn't always easy. Um, and throughout my life, it's funny, a lot of people come up to me and they'll say, you know, I, I always see you smiling. I always see you, you know, just to your point, looking on the bright side of things. And it's not to say everyone has their good days and bad days, and I've experienced um, challenges in life like everyone else, but I really want my children to to learn from a very early age. And it is a gift of my mother, I think, raising me by herself as a single mom from the time I was very young um, and just teaching me the characters and qualities of how to treat other people with kindness and respect, whether it's the president or the janitor, to, to really understand and listen to other people's beliefs and put yourself in their shoes because you never know what somebody's going through, right? And although they might seem... Um, happy or angry or, or whatever, you don't know what's in their head and their heart or what they're living through in that moment. And so from a very early age, I want my children to, to think of other people and um, treat them with kindness and respect so that they can always put themselves in their shoes and know that as they're making choices in life that there are going to be consequences and repercussions and you have to be very thoughtful when you say something or when you do something because there's an impact to that, to whatever you do say. And, you know, it's very fragile at this age, but those lessons that you learn very early on are very important throughout your life. And I think it's important even as we become adults and we grow and we learn to pause and think, you know, what is this person going through and do I understand their intention behind this? What is their why? And can I relate and um, put myself in a position to, to really understand their thought process? And if I'm going to try and get something from them, how do I influence them in a positive way and what's their currency? And, you know, so the lessons that you teach very young children are the same lessons we learn as adults and the human relationship and the connections that we have with one another are so critical, whether they're in person or on social media, you, you name it, there's a lot of opportunity to really continue to um, work together as humans. I would imagine, and I don't have any children or a lot of children around me most of my life, but I would imagine that it's sort of like having clients, right, where they need some advice or you watch some behavior and you give them advice and you go, oh, wait, I should be taking that advice for myself. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> yeah. No, oftentimes there's that, that thought process where easier said than done, right? right? And to tell somebody how to act and then to live it are two different things. And you really have to be conscious of the decisions that you make for yourself and also to not be so hard on ourselves. I think that's probably the hardest thing, especially for women, especially for wives and mothers. You go through life and you put 
a lot of people, maybe everybody, before you think about your, if you're a working mom, you think about your job and you want to be present and, and overachieve and meet and exceed there. You think about your children, your families, and you want to do the best you can do there. You, you know, you think about the world around you, if you're doing philanthropy or, or volunteer work, and it's very easy to lose ourselves in the process, and it's also very easy to be most critical of ourselves. So it's very important to just pause and to understand that we are equally able to be fair and kind to ourselves just as we are to other people and give ourselves a break from time to time. Uh, I've noticed, especially over this last year, having lost my mom, that I don't pause enough because Mm. sometimes in that quiet space, thoughts come up that you don't want to process. So you say to yourself, okay, but if I pause and I process it, everything after that seems so much better. (laughs) That avoidance of pausing seems like it works great in the moment, but then it just builds and builds and builds and whatever you needed to pause for. If you had paused originally, it wouldn't become as big. Right. No, that's absolutely true. It's sort of that brief moment to give yourself the time to reflect, to ponder, to move on, to forgive. Whatever happens in those moments of pause are so critical to kind of continuing on your journey. And, you know, I I often think about it as giving a speech, right? People often want to fill the void. They don't want to um, leave silence, because silence can be deafening. So they fill them with filler words like like or um or ah because they just don't like the silence. And it's sort of a human nature where a lot of people try to fill the silence. But that silence could be the most important part of our journeys because it allows you to really reflect and be one with what you're trying to achieve. And I think it's a very critical component, whether it's yoga or prayer or peace or whatever it is for you in your journey, but just that thoughtful, quiet time that you take to really reflect upon yourself and your goals and your, your what you're trying to achieve. Okay, you've got me in tears because that just really, um, I'm not kidding, I can feel the tears welling. I really finally got at another level how much I've been avoiding that. Sure. So thank I you. I want to hug you. I'm a huggy from here. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I can feel that, Michelle. Totally feel Good. that. Um, you know, it's for me, it's really one of those moments, and my listeners know that this happens to me all the time. I learn so much from my guests, and it's things that I think I already know, but I don't know it at a certain level. And I love when another level gets cleared, like just happened for me. Mm. And I'm going to immediately start giving myself permission to take time to just stop and and just even if it's 30 seconds and I'm not going to beat myself up (laughs) if I if I don't do it one day or one moment. But I'm I'm right now on the air asking everybody to hold me accountable to giving myself permission to pause some more in in my daily life. And I give everybody out there permission to do that, too. Wow. That powerful. Is, that is so powerful, Michelle. Thank you for that. <laughs> of course, of course, yeah. Uh, and I'll, I'll check in on you from time to time to make sure. Yeah, please that you're do. you're yourself that. Please do, because um, I've been avoiding journaling even lately. I realize that. So 
gotta get back to that because writing is my writing is my thing you know that's absolutely one of the most powerful cathartic ways for us to um storyboard or release our innermost feelings or thoughts i absolutely think so because you can say things in your head and you can kind of think things in a passing moment but when you put pen to paper in a true you know, fashion, old-fashioned sense of the word, you are really connecting with what you're trying to achieve, right? <laughs> and I think that that's one of the most powerful ways to release um, our thoughts and our emotions and to hold ourselves accountable because once it's written, I mean, you can erase it technically, but, <laughs> <laughs> it out. but the truth is that once it's there, it's there. And it, it really just allows us to not just... Um, overlook our thoughts, but connect with them in and, a really specific, clear. And we're going to go way. right into commercial break with that beautiful thought. Success comes from not only what you know, but also who you know. Welcome back to It's All About the Questions with award-winning author Laura Stewart. Michelle, you were one of the first women in tech that I know of that really embraced the whole idea of social media. And you did it in a way that was not what anybody would have thought of was the traditional way, meaning you're just posting blog posts about, you know, business and career and all that other stuff. Mm -hmm. You started doing social media to talk about other people, to mm -hmm. share your inner thoughts, your your who you are as a person, not only positive things, but um, things that you were concerned about or assistance that you needed. And that's not what people in tech normally do, right? They, yeah. they tend not, now they are, right? People in tech are, are out there a lot more, but not to the levels that you are. What made you decide that you were going to fully embrace social media no matter what the industry thought about it? <laughs> That's a great question. And, you know, I'll say that um, in the beginning, maybe I was a bit more reserved, but it's my nature. Um, I'm very open. No, I'm I never very... would have gotten that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it's one of those things where um, I guess you can call it the old adage where people buy from people they like, right? That was one of the first things I learned in sales. And, and what I learned is that it's not about, um, you know, finding the perfect business acumen and finding the perfect blog to make people understand what you're trying to achieve. All of that's important. But you really are selling yourself as well. Who, who is your brand? What do you stand for? What do you want to achieve in the world? Who am I working with? Who am I connecting with? When you look at social media, you know, there are different platforms that have different tools and different reasonings, right? I feel like LinkedIn is very professional focused and I feel like maybe Instagram is more visually um, stimulating for that purpose. But for me, Facebook it has become a hybrid and it is a connection into my life, into my family, into, you know, what is important to me, whether it's encouraging young women and girls to pursue a career in technology, to having um, cultural diversity in the workforce, to having um, the attraction and retention of women and diverse candidates to your organization or team. These things are very critical for me and things I'm very passionate about personally. And they kind of leak over into my who I am, right? And being the first in my family to go to college, um, being the first in my family to 
get a job in technology um, was sort of life-changing. And I wanted to encourage other people that didn't come from this background. Because when I was in college, I met a lot of people who were lawyers of, um, their parents were lawyers, or their parents were doctors, and that was what they were pursuing. And I didn't feel like there was anyone that looked like me. So for me, it really was at its intrinsic core, I wanted people to know that I that there's a place for them, that it doesn't matter what you look like or what you sound like or how old you are, that you can have and embrace a career in technology. You can embrace being who you are, being authentic and genuine and true to yourself. And that really resonates substantially more with people than portraying yourself as something that you think they want you to be. So for me, it really was just saying, I am who I am, and I am okay with that. And if other people aren't okay with that, that's their right and prerogative. But I'm not going to alter my genuine self, and I want people to um, connect with me on a personal and professional level. The people that I work with here are my team. They're my family. Uh, the people that I've worked with cross-functionally um, in other organizations and in other partnerships throughout my years, I treat everybody the same, and I treat them in a way that um, I want them to be genuinely successful and I want to get to know who they really are too. Not just what they're selling me, but, but who are they at their core. And I think that for me is one of the most important parts of connecting with another human. So I chose to do that on social media. You said something that I know a lot of people are struggling with out there. You actually said a lot of different things, but there, there's one thing I want to, pardon the pun, click on. You, you talked about staying true to yourself, and I remember an incident a uh, while back in your career, sh- several years back, where people were commenting on how you were dressing and mm-hmm. the fact that you were always so happy and bubbly, and yeah. they wanted you to change because they said you would never advance in your career unless you dressed like everybody else and uh, acted like everybody else. And I have to say from a personal level, I'm so glad that you took the advice of a number of people that said, no, you need to be yourself. <laughs> it's, mm. You're probably in the wrong environment if right. if that's where it, it, it is. And that doesn't preclude the fact that sometimes you need to dress the part of where you're going. You know, I sure. always tell my entrepreneurs, if you want to do business with people that wear uh, ties and uh, shirts and, and, you know, suits all the time, and you walk in in no clothes at all, right? You're probably not going to do business with <laughs> A whole other problem. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I, I wanted to give the radical example of it. You have to be in the right environment for who you are as a person and what you want to achieve in the goals. But I know that was a major moment for you. Do you remember sure. that situation? Yeah. I do, yeah. So, I mean, and there's two two sort of things that were entwined there. So, when I began my career, and I was young, I started on Wall Street. I moved into Cisco at an early age in their global academy, getting engineering and sales uh, training, and became, you know, at the end of that year, you can choose. Do you want to go into sales? Do you want to go into engineering? So, I took my engineering background. I thought that was strong. I had that foundation. I took my sales background and I went into sales and I wore a pantsuit every day because that's how people dressed in Wall Street. And I was living in North Carolina at the time and I had a very um, 
a beautiful feminine boss who, who one day took me aside and said, this doesn't feel like you. Are you trying to, you know, dress in a certain way to, you know, kind of um, make a statement or an impact? And I said, well, you know, I'm young. I look young. I don't want people not to take me seriously, right? And she said, you can be taken seriously for who you are. You don't need to, you know, of course, I'm wearing a suit today. As an example, it's a lovely white suit after Labor Day, but I live in Florida now, so right. I feel like that's fine. <laughs> but, but you know, you can embrace... Um, business casual or different schools of thought that are still professional. Um, you always want to look the part, as you mentioned, but you don't want to be taken, you know, too far out of your comfort zone because if you try too hard, it appears that you're trying too hard. So I think that was a good rule of thumb for me. And then, you know, you can end up getting the other way, which is that you're too casual, right? And I think that there's a fine line in between there. And um, it, it takes time in, in understanding who you are and the corporate culture that you work in, right? Because certain cultures, you do have to fit in a bit more than others, um, and others are a bit more flexible. But I tend to, um, in the environment that I'm in right now, I do a business casual dress for probably four days a week, uh, some days dressier than others, and then on the fifth day, I rest. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, that's sort of opportunity. Now, in the terms of the personality, that was a separate conversation, and that actually was something that really impacted me. And, and I, you know, I wonder if my uh, person at the time who was leading me would ever listen to this and hear the story, but it really impacted me because they said, um, you know, kind of went around and talking about everybody's achievements and they said that I was bubbly and good with people. Now, that's a great skill, right? Like the relationship building, I think is extremely important, but I do a lot more than that and it's a lot more important right. to me. But the words bubbly... I thought to myself, would you ever use that word to describe a gentleman in the office? No. No. And I didn't think so either. And so it just, it resonated with me in a way that made me feel like I wasn't being taken seriously in my career. And it was unfortunate because I was, you know, a leader of the company, managing our largest customer globally, um, had a lot of impact with a lot of different people, but the word bubbly made me feel as though I was less than. And it, I had to take a moment, I had to pause and noodle what those words meant to me, and was it validated, right? And so there was a group called Tech World's Half and um, created by several wonderful mentors and friends of mine. And I'm going to I'm gonna have you tease everybody because we're going into the national news right now. So we're going to be back talking with Michelle McBain. Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Welcome back, everyone, to our Christmas show. I am here with Michelle McBain, a dear friend and, and a role model in a lot of ways because of who she is out in the world today. So the first half of the show, Michelle shared so much great information on how we can stay positive, how she does that, and how she teaches her kids to do that. But we also started talking about something a little bit more serious. And we're going to pick right back up with that. And Michelle, you were sharing about how it's you can be taken seriously for who you are in the world and how this one uh, boss manager of yours in a job review said, you know, described you as bubbly. 
Right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> the infamous bubbly yeah. experience. So, um, you know, so I, I would feel that I was very privileged because a group exists thanks to, and I have to give them a shout out, but Janet Shines is my mentor at Office Depot, Joe Peterson at Cloud Girls, Rokia Jones at Microsoft, and Quinny Wong from Verizon got together and created a group called Tech World Path on Facebook. And this group is phenomenal. It's just the raw, real truth of women, um, women supporting other women women, right? Um, so sort of this tribe of women coming together, really connecting, understanding, and being open and honest, whether they're, you know, looking for a job, seeking experience, seeking feedback, things of that nature. So I posted my story on that group, very open, very honest, and I wanted feedback. Should I change who I was? And the feedback was overwhelmingly positive in the way that say, you know, there's a time and place, right, obviously. Um, you shouldn't change who you are for the most part. But I think that it's very important that, you know, to be taken seriously, if there's certain things that you can do um, or words you can say or, I mean, even things such as um, <clears throat> lowering your voice so you're so not so high-pitched or things of that nature. Like, I got all sorts of feedback. And some, some are great, you know, great, some I won't do, some I will do. But at the end of the day, it's really about taking the input of what works for other people and learning how you can be true to yourself but apply uh, a very professional nature to your conversation, your skill set, so that you can be the best you can be at work, professionally, and personally. So I learned that, look, there's going to be a time where I'm going to be happy, and that's okay. I'm allowed to be happy at work. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm allowed to be happy in life. But I am very serious, and I want people to know that as well. I work very hard. I drive results. And I don't want to mistake joyfulness for getting the job done and executing. So it's really important that you're demonstrating to your leaders um, that you are impactful and effective and that you um, do it all with a smile. And it's interesting because so often, as you had said, they would never use certain words to describe a man. But at the same time, there are certain words they use to describe men that aren't always the best either. And it becomes a conversation, as you said, about what are you hoping to achieve? What is your why? What is mm -hmm. your purpose? What are your goals? And what do you need to do in order to achieve those without losing your authentic self in the process? Right. Absolutely. At the end of the day, I, I believe it's important, you know, you can influence by mirroring, you know, if certain people do certain things, you can kind of, you, you can relate to them in their language, if you will, but you don't have to change who you are to get there. And I think that that's the most important important, uh, effective advice I can give to other um, people, you know, journeying in their careers and in life is, you know, it's okay to, to look and listen to the person, you know, if somebody wants things like straight to the punch and, you, you know, you are more of a, a ponderer who wants to reflect on things, well, that may not be the best communication method. So it's okay to adjust your style, but don't change who you are. That's not necessary. Which is so hard for so many people because they feel like we talked about in the first segment, that they don't have choices, that this is the only job that they can have for whatever reason, and they have lost that ability to even connect to who they are. I mean, I'm sure you've seen this throughout your career, watching other people and going, 
do you even know who you are? Yeah, I mean, I, I do say things of that nature. And, you know, for me, you can't change the spots on a leopard for good, bad, or indifferent, right? And the, the truth is always going to come out in the end. So if you're pretending to be something you're not, then not only do other people know, right, but they they feel it. So, you know, there's certain things that I've heard in life that sort of that fake it till you make it. Although I heard a wonderful woman uh, speaker say once, own it till you hone it. <laughs> so I think there's a, there's a point, right, where you may not know. Like if you take that next job opportunity, if you accept the role of president of the United States of America, let's say, or, or your CEO of the company or vice president of such and such, you probably did not have that experience prior, right? Nobody does. So when you enter a new role or a new phase of your life, there's that learning curve, right? You're going to get new information, new processes and protocols, new relationships, new connections and things of that nature, right? And when you are experiencing that newness, it's okay to be comfortable with the fact that you're not going to have all the answers in the beginning. But if you're passionate and you're dedicated and you're willing to learn, you're willing to ask questions, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with solidifying who you are through educating yourself, through listening to other people who do know more. I like to think that, you know, when we talk about mentoring and reverse mentoring, you know, a lot of people say it's geared at people just starting out in their career. And I say that couldn't be further than the truth because you can learn something new every day of your life, regardless of your age, regardless of your title, regardless of your experience, because there's always something new to learn. There's something you can grow upon. And if you have that open-mindedness, that willingness to to continue to better yourself and, and learn from others, that diversity of thought is extremely important to being the best leader you can be, to being the most successful you can in your career for yourself and for those around you. I I know currently you are in the process as if you don't have enough on your plate, you're getting your MBA. That's correct. I am. (laughs) I'm three courses from straight A's completion. So I'm very excited. Knock on wood. (laughs) Three courses. Woohoo. Yes. I'm at that finish line as a mom of two children, as a senior director of technology services for Office Depot and uh, pursuing my MBA along with any sort of um, philanthropic work that I like to fit in along the way. Which just from the surface, everything you just said is a lot on anybody's plate. Right. I I did my master's right after I got my bachelor's and I was working a full time job, but I got my master's, but I didn't have a family. It was just me working a job, getting it all right. Now you've got the family. You're much further along in your career. You're doing all these other things. You're traveling with your family. And it's not a simple thing. And On top of that all, Michelle, and I know you've shared this on social media, and boy, I think the whole world was praying for you when this went on. You had heart surgery to fix a problem that had been there since you were a child. Yes, ma'am. I sure did. I'm feeling great. (laughs) (laughs) I am so happy about that, as you you know from my private notes to you and stuff like that. Thank you. Thank you. How... I mean, how do you do all this? I mean, you can't have it all. Nobody can have it all. A good friend of mine, Cheryl Lushung, who wrote a book called The 24-Hour Woman, once said to me, Laura, it's not about balance. Compare it to a sailboat. Um, And when you're on a sailboat, 
you you're going with the wind but sometimes you can't keep going straight sometimes right. you have to go a little bit more to the left a little bit more to the right of course she used part and starboard and she said really balance is sometimes it goes a little more one way and sometimes a little more the other and hopefully at the end of your life it's all equaled out and I love that. That's the most perfect analogy for a fellow traveler and boat lover. I I think that's perfectly said. For me, it is all about, and it's not balance. The work-life balance, I think, is a misnomer and a fact that makes people feel disappointed in themselves when they do not achieve perfection. Nobody is perfect. I am far from perfect, but I'm passionate and I'm driven. And I believe that anything is possible with enough effort and dedication and motivation. So for me, it is challenging, for sure. Um, I'll say even when I was in college getting my undergrad, my mom was a single mom. We didn't have a lot of money. I had a full presidential scholarship, but I also had to work to supplement my expenses. So I worked two jobs while doing that. It's Fast forward 13 some odd years later, I have a more senior career, which is more challenging and, and necessary for me to be committed and to be effective to. I have a husband. I have a family. Um, so it is a challenge. But I said to myself this, one, I want to be an example and a role model for my daughters and for anybody out there to say, I've always wanted to do this. It's something I've said and I could put it off another X amount of years and just not do it. Or I can do it now while the children are young enough that they're not doing homeworks and science projects and Girl Scouts and all those other things that are going to come in a few more years. And I can actually get it done. Is it busy? Absolutely. Are there nights where I'm up till 2, 3 in the morning? Certainly. Am I tired sometimes? Am I cranky sometimes? <laughs> yes. But at the end of the day, it's something that when I'm done, nobody can take it away from me. I've achieved it. I've done it all. And is there a time where I balance and, and put a little more energy and attention towards work than my family? Yes. Is there times that I want to put a little bit more attention to my family versus that or school? It, it ebbs and it flows and there's the guilt and all of that goes along with it because we're not perfect as humans. But And we I are unfortunately say. not perfect on the radio because we have to go to our last commercial break. <laughs> so hold that thought, Michelle. We'll be right back. All right, so I had to cut you off for commercial. You were talking about you're not perfect. You go with the ebb and flow. I would disagree with you because I think you are just such a beautiful human being on the planet. But uh-huh. anyway, go Thank ahead. You. <laughs> <laughs> no, but at the end of the day, I, this is where the pausing comes in, right? And this is where the it's okay to not be perfect. It's okay to not be able to do all things, be all things to all people. Because if you're giving 100% to everything, then you're not giving enough, right? It's impossible. The math doesn't add up. So you have to be present where you are when you're there. If you're at work, put all the energy there. When you're at home with your family, put your phone down. Be present with your family. This is sort of the ability to have that ebb and flow and go with the winds. You know, and of course, there's times where that's not possible, but make that the exception and not the rule. And I think that you'll feel a lot less guilty and a lot prouder of yourself because you start to decompartmentalize who you are, what you want to achieve, and what are the tactical steps that you can take to help you get there. Right, And it doesn't have to happen overnight. It can be a two-year plan. It can be whatever it is. But if this is my goals, my, my one-year, three-year, five-year plans, what steps am I going to take to make that happen? And being fully present and aware that your children aren't going to be little forever. Um, so make sure you have that quality time if you're a parent or if you're a firm mom, like I used to call myself, 
before I had kids with my dogs or even if it's just time to, you know, drink a glass of wine and read a good book, whatever it is that you do for you, make sure to take that and give yourself that gift because if you're not whole, then you won't you won't be able to give back. And I always use the analogy I heard once when you're on a plane and the plane starts to have turbulence and the oxygen mass falls down, what do they tell you to do? You have to put the oxygen on you before you can help anyone else. Because if you're not 100%, then you're not going to be able to be there for your job, for your family, for for anything else. So make sure, lead by example, and, and don't feel bad for needing that time. It's very important and effective. And that's a perfect thought to have especially during this holiday season when we tend to are rushing around, which is not the intent of the holiday season either, but we we tend to be rushing around to parties to get the perfect gift for somebody or order something or decorate the house to the nth degree or whatever it may be. And we forget that the true reason for the holiday season is to be grateful and thankful for what we have in the world and to those loved ones that we have around us that are there Absolutely. and really to be present with them. Yes, and I and I have to add to that because, and I want to publicly, again, I know I said this in private, but I want to thank Laura for sending me the most thoughtful gift. And after my heart surgery, first of all, that's a very scary time. I'm in my 30s. You know, it's not something you would have expected, but it's something that you prepare for. And as they wheel you into that room and you don't know what's going to happen and you come out, you're very thankful and you have a new perspective on life and a new respect for what is really a priority in your life. And, you know, I was so blessed by so many countless people who expressed their love through cards and emails and Facebook messages and flowers and gifts and you name it. And just an outpouring, I say kind of in a funny sort of way, but it's like, you know, in a funeral, you never get to see how much impact you have in the world or how people loved you. But, you know, when you survive surgery, (laughs) you get to see how loved you are. And it's such a beautiful, positive ray of light. And Laura sent me a gift from from her mother, who also had open heart surgery. It's a beautiful um, glass bowl, crystal bowl, with hearts on it. And it just, to me, you know, I said the flowers can die and the, and the things get eaten, but to have something that's meaningful and impactful from somebody who loves somebody so much to give that gift and thought to me was just so beautiful and impactful, and I'm so thankful. So take time when you're going through your holidays. It's not about how much it costs or if it's this certain brand, but what are you really giving to somebody that means something? And take time to when you're with these people to appreciate the time that you have together because nothing is promised in life. And time is fleeting, and it's really important to forgive and to forget and to move on and to let bygones be bygones and love and and cherish the quality time with the people in your life. So I would really say that, you know, it's a gift when you experience, um, when you're faced with a surgery such as the magnitude of mine was. And I think that that's probably the most important thing. You know, when people say, will you have a Merry Christmas? I already know I will because I feel very blessed to be alive and to have time with those I love. And that's the most important thing. And based on all the social media, and all the prayers that are put out there, you, I hope you know 
that you've already left an amazing legacy in the world. Thank you. That's very kind of you to say. That is very kind. And and I wish that people didn't have to wait till moments like that where we think we're going to lose somebody for that to be expressed. If everybody today through the end of the year, every day took one person and said to them how grateful they are for them, for one thing that they did that changed a perspective or a life and just share that. Can you imagine what would happen out in the world, Michelle? Oh, I just have chills all over. I think it would just be such a beautiful thing, you know, just sharing that positivity, paying it forward, and and being thankful for those people who who you love. And, and I think that's just a wonderful way to end the year and begin a new year. Yeah, don't wait till somebody's gone or on their deathbed to tell them how much they mean to you, because by then Absolutely. it's too late. It's, Absolutely, it's too late. And you've got a wonderful Facebook group that you created called Extra Extra Good News. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. And I hope everybody who's listening to the show, if you don't connect with Michelle in any other way, (laughs) go on to Facebook (laughs) and and search for the group Extra Extra Good News and sign up for it because everybody posts just these wonderful things that are happening in the world. Yeah. You know, it was a time in my life... uh, just, I, there was a lot of negativity going on in the world. There was a lot of negativity um, with violence and shootings and sadness and um, brutality and racism and, you know, religious bigotry. And it was just so hard and so overwhelming. It was just, I just couldn't, I didn't want to go on social media. I didn't want to turn on the news. And I said, you know, I just, I have to do something because it's becoming depressing. And, and how do I share the light, share the good that's happening in the world? Because it's not all bad. It can't be all bad, right? right. And so I started this group just, you know, because I wanted to share good news. And it, it sort of went viral where people would just post whenever they found a story that made their heart feel good or happy. They would share this kindness and this little little piece of light in the darkness and for me it was something that's so important and impactful because it just it shows you that there's still good in the world and that there's still hope and and good people and kindness and I think it's really important you know no matter what you're going through I you know even when I'm my heart surgery and everything like that you you can think about all the bad things and challenges that you're going through and then I spent a lot of time this year this holiday season just volunteering you know whether it's at the Ronald McDonald House or the Quantum House locally here in Florida um, going to food banks or, or what have you and when you're doing something for other people it's the gift that keeps on giving because you're doing it for you or you're doing it for others but by default it makes you feel good right so it's yeah. sort of a a selfish and positive way to express outwardly goodness for other people. So I just love to volunteer and give back. I think, you know, this is the meaning of the season for me, and I hope that other people find time because when you see the joy in another person, especially a child, especially during the holidays, it just fills your whole heart with with happiness and light, and I think that that's one of the best things to do. When you're feeling down, um, try to try to see how other people may be in a worse position and see how you can bring some joy to their day and you will find that both of you will rise to the occasion and i don't think we should end the show without you giving a shout out to your kids and your husband because you are live on the radio so why don't you wish them a merry christmas on the radio of course merry christmas 
and happy holidays to everyone on the radio, especially uh, my husband, Jay, and my beautiful daughters, Brooklyn and Callie. Mommy loves you, and she's very excited to have Santa come and have a great holiday for one and all. I love it. And best way, I think, for people to reach out to you is on social media, since you are all over that, correct, Michelle? Absolutely. I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, you name it. Please, I'm open. I'd love to connect with you. If there's something I said that you'd like to talk about or, or discuss, I'd love to, to connect and, and learn from each of you as well. And I will put all of your social media links up on the website with the post. And I want to thank you so much for being my special Christmas guest today, Michelle. Likewise, and you are mine as well, Laura. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. And to everyone out there, I hope you have a very Merry Christmas and a very happy holidays. And remember, everybody, the right questions truly can change your life. So what are you asking today? Have a Merry Christmas, have a blessed New Year, and hug someone you love and smile at a random stranger. Have a great day. Listening to It's All About the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today.